Hello and welcome into Main Street Preps this week. I'm Russell Minozzi, joined as always by Tyler Palmatier. And Tyler, basketball season is officially in the books. I know you were one of our Ironmen out there covering a ton of games over the past three weeks, so I'm sure you're, you're glad to have a break, but um, always always a little sad to see a season go and, and a new one start. Yeah, um, it, they kind of end at the right time. <laughs> you know, it's a lot and uh, a lot happens at the end, but yeah, definitely. It's, just, it's a fun time, but uh, you know. Uh, to everything there is a season, as they say. So we'll talk about uh, basketball season a little bit uh, towards the end of the show. It kind of went out with a whimper with the Division One boys and girls uh, state finals the past couple of weeks, but we'll kind of put a bow on hoop season. And uh, we're also going to talk to new Maplewood coach, Chris Simpson. He's uh, coming over from East Nashville, where he was the defensive coordinator uh, for their two state runner-up teams the past two seasons. So looking forward to that. But before we get to his interview, I want to remind everybody this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. All right, let's go ahead and get to the man of the hour, Chris Simpson. He was just announced on Tuesday as Maplewood's new head coach. Chris, first off, congratulations on your new role. And uh, just want to get a feel for, you know, how excited are you for this, especially heading back to your alma mater where you played and uh, getting a chance to finally be a head coach? Um, I'm super excited. Um, I even wore my Maplewood shirt today, my, my alumni shirt today. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for the opportunity that uh, I was afforded by Dr. Brooks and uh, the administration team at Maplewood. Um, let's say, like, uh, really love the words because it's been, I guess, it's been a, it's been in the works, it's been it's coming as far as, um, I guess eventually I was going to be a head coach, but just to have it at my alma mater is, is even a better feeling, it's a greater feeling. Chris, this is Tyler. Uh, going, you know, let's talk about your time at Maplewood a little bit as a player. Uh, what were those years like? And uh, you know, can you give people a glimpse into? Of course, for people who don't know, you were a quarterback there. Uh, and can you give people a glimpse of maybe what that time was like for you as as that guy, and what kind of the culture was like or is like at Maplewood? Um, so when I first when I when I first got there, um, we just coming off a. Uh, I went to Maplewood 2004 as my freshman year. Um, they were just coming off a losing season. Coach Ralph Thompson um, took over the program, and from there he just really grinded and built into what it, to what I know it as. Um, was, it was not as necessarily a powerhouse, but we was a real team year in year out, state championship contender. I felt like every year um, since he since he took over the Rams and even passing on to uh, Coach Broom, it out. Um, those uh, the uh, the foundation coach Ralph Thompson set and Coach Woods and all his assistant coaches around Coach Black, Coach uh, Coach Left, Coach Long, all those guys that put in the time and effort with us. Because um, my uh, my first year we didn't do too hot. Uh, my uh, sophomore year we was get, we got better. I think we won five games, six games maybe. Um, then my junior year that was the best team I think we had. Like talent-wise, uh, those were the Terrence Holtz at running back, the uh, Tadarius Jones, um, the uh, linebacker, uh, uh, John Demore receiver. It was just had a we. I feel like it was very talented. Uh, Thomas Majors at linebacker as well. That was my, probably our most talented group uh, as far as, as as far as talent goes. Um, but I think we. I want to say we was undefeated the whole year. We lost to uh, Hillsboro. Um, the last game of the year, and we were so focused on getting back to play them again. Uh, we ended up slipping and then losing in the first round to, uh, I think it was Clarksville that beat us. 
at home. So that year is a very uh, it was a huge disappointment um, for the fact that that was the most talented team we had. Um, my class, my class, um, I guess we was the least talented of that group, uh, but that's what the I guess we we were most of the leaders and the the, the hard workers um, um, because the next year um, we. We started off hot, uh, dropped a couple games. Um, they ended up making a run. Um, that was, I think we ran off like 10 or something, 10 straight maybe to make it to the state championship, which was, it was very, very good. It was a great time. Um, because that, uh, that next class, the class after us, that had the Romario Cathy's, the Marcus Cantrell's, the, um, the Q Parks, those guys were very, they, they had, they had a good, um, a good nucleus as well. But just be trapped in between those two classes was funny because we, we was always looked at as the, the least talented class. And it was only like eight of us, eight or nine of us. Um, but it worked out. It worked out pretty well. So I'm very pre- appreciative for the time I had there and the, the program that Ralph built. He let me, I just say, I can't say take the Rams, but let me be his quarterback. Um, because it made me, they turned me into some, some of the things I am today. So I'm very appreciative there. And so, Chris, for the last nine seasons, you've been an assistant coach in the Metro National Schools uh, public school system. And I know for everybody that wants to become a head coach, it, it can be a different timeline. Like, it can take 5, 10, 15, or even more years to get there. And over the past couple of seasons, we've seen guys like Anthony Brown at Hillsboro, uh, Frederick Burnett at McGavitt kind of move their way up the ranks and, and reach that dream of becoming a head coach. But, you know, as somebody now who's who's gone through that process, I mean, what can you tell us about the journey and sort of the ups and downs that come with being an assistant with aspirations of being a head coach and then, you know, finally getting here. I mean, what, what's that like? Uh, I was like, everybody's journey is their own, like you said. Um, but as far, I would definitely say surround yourself with good people who want to see you grow. Um, they're like, I, I was very thankful for my, my, uh, every coach I've had, um, head coach I've had start with, uh, coach Brunetti at Pearl, um, Jay Gore, McGavick, um, coach Waite at, uh, East coach Smiley when I went to Georgia, for a year, um, Coach Williams from Overton, uh, then my boy uh, Jamal, Coach Stewart. Uh, all the all those coaches wanted they wanted me to grow. They wanted to see me grow, so they gave me roles so I can grow. I mean, once you told them, once I told them my aspirations and my endeavors, they they was like, "Here, let's let's see if you can do it." Um, but the number one thing is surround yourself with good people who want who want to see you grow, who want to see you take on bigger roles who who have your back and in your corner um because at the end of the day it's a lot of people who i can say it's a lot of people but there's some coaches who want you on their staff forever they don't want to see you grow uh they rather you be dormant and just listen to what they say but surround yourself with uh with very good people um because uh ab uh coach uh ab Anthony brown uh coach fred coach freddie b um those are that's some good people those are my boys uh but it's going coming through the metro coming through the metro ranks um it's um it's it's been fun um especially as along the journey you have to um if if you want to be a head coach you have to position yourself for that um take the interviews at least put your name out there uh also take notes of everything that you like and don't like that you can probably bring to your program or add to add to your program um i had a running uh I got a running tab of, of my notes in my phone of everything that I feel like 
this was wrong or we could have did it better. Just learning, listening and learning um, a lot. Go to the parent meetings. That's the biggest thing. Go to the administrative meetings. A lot of things you, that you don't see as an assistant coach, uh, try to get your head coach to get uh, get into that. And I've been thankful enough that my coaches have let me in, involved in some of those meetings and things. So I've been keeping a running tab of all the things. And hopefully I can break it to Maplewood and have success with it. Chris, let's let's reflect uh, just for a moment on on your time at East because that's one of those magical stretches for schools that haven't had that tradition where all of a sudden things are just uh, it's a frenzy. Uh, you back to back state championship appearances and first first one in school history, first region title in school history. How enjoyable was that experience for you? Just to watch fans come out of the woodwork. I mean, you're also surprising a lot of people around town. The you know the mayor uses an opportunity to put you guys on the today show i mean what was that what's what was that run like uh it was definitely magical um but was, it was yeah it was definitely magical um uh, as far as just like because the kids man, when we first got there jamal coach stewart had a plan um and just executing the plan uh but just to see to see all the support and every like you said everybody come out of the woodworks like the east is making a run just the metro support in general um which I think is doing a better Metro is doing a lot better job of is just pushing each other, uh, pushing each other forward. It's not just uh, worry about my school. Like if any Metro school is doing great, like go support them as much as you can. Um, as far as the, uh, as far as the run though, it was, it was, it was crazy. Um, just cause the expectations grew tremendously, like overnight essentially. Cause when we started off, um, uh, the COVID year, well, the, the COVID year was rough for everybody, I'm sure. It was just so many ups and downs in, in that year. But I feel like we set, set, set the foundation, started laid the foundation that year. Uh, once the standard is set, it'll just take it into the next year. And it, we got hot. We got hot at the right time. After the, it's really after the Green Hills game. The, the Green Hills game was the, uh, the awakening call for us uh, the second year. After that, um, we got everybody started to buy in more, started to trust the process. Because the details matter, and then um, we just went rolling from there. But then that next year, coming back this past year, it's like the expectations are already up here. It's like, hey, you either meet it, you got to meet it. You got to meet the expectations. And once we have meet it, I feel like we exceeded the expectations. Uh, we did. Fortunately, we didn't get to bring the gold ball home. But the two as a two year run that a lot of people don't get to have. These kids with the two state championship games that some people will never see in their lifetime. So. I hope they know that and take that away from it. And for East to get to that point, of course, there were some difficulties. You mentioned the, the COVID year there. Uh, not having a practice field on campus was was another one, I know. But uh, you guys were able to work through all that and, and have success. So how do you feel like your stint there as a successful assistant and the other stops you've had have prepared you to, to go into Maplewood and to try to turn things around there after that program struggled for the last five years or so? Um, I just think it's, it's more so taking beauty in the small things. Uh, like I said the details matter. Um, at the end of the day, you you have a hand, you have your hand that you dealt. How are you going to do it? I mean, adversity strikes, persevere through it. At the end of the day, I me, mean, it's football. Like we're going to take, we're going to take what we have and run with it. It might not be the best facilities, it might not be the greatest facilities, but at the end, as long as we have what we need, if the bare minimum is what we have. That's what we're going to use. We're going to use the bare minimum. Um, we can't make excuses for not having success. I mean, when I was in, literally when I was in school, our weight room was in was in the locker room for the majority of my time there. So it was like, there's no excuses to be had. 
it either get it done or you don't. I'm not I'm not big on the excuses. Like let's just get it done. I mean, you take the the small sample size that um, we have because a lot of schools don't have the same re uh, schools don't have the same resource in general, but they're still making it happen. So why would we be anything less to uh, to make an excuse? Let's let's go to work. We'll make it work eventually. We will get it to where we want it to be, but we have to go in and put in work first. Nobody's gonna come out and just hand you stuff that you ain't earned. Let's go earn it. Yeah, and your defense has earned uh, 30 turnovers per season, according to the release that Metro put out yesterday. Uh, I know that this isn't college football. Personnel changes dramatically in high schools most of the time, and you know you don't really get to have a a system in every situation. But what do you? What's your basic philosophy behind what you do as a defensive coordinator? Uh, the basic philosophy would be um, adapt to the kids that we have. Um, we base out of three four, um, but I will run a lot of four man fronts if I feel like that suits us a lot better than the three man. Um, we do a lot of movement. Um, our kids are not my D line's not big. It's never been big. I think the biggest D line I have is my nose, which is three hundred. But the other guys are barely 220 if that so we'll do a lot of do a lot of movement do try to do a lot of things that um give teams problems um fly to the ball for sure um i think we've done a great job in the past year just getting to the ball when you get to the ball turnovers happen things, things good things happen so that would be more so of the philosophy wise yeah and to, to get back to maplewood uh chris i, I know um you were talking about how when you were there, it was obviously a, a successful program when you were a player. Um, and they've had success pretty recently, too, under our Sente Broom, getting all the way to the state semifinals uh, in 2018. I'm curious, was our Sente somebody you talked to at all when you were considering taking this job? Or um, do you plan to seek his advice at all just on kind of how he was able to build things there at Maplewood? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, our Sente is uh, one of my one of my good, good friends as well. Um, we call him the uh, the second godfather of uh, of Metro with um, with Coach Fitzgerald being the first one. So I feel like he's followed in Coach Fitzgerald's steps, and so I always seek advice from him. Um, we got a good group of guys who've been around for a long time that um, I'm always asking questions and want to know things from them. Um, with or with uh, Coach Broom or Sente being up top like i said he's he's a godfather right now so try to run everything through him and make sure i'm doing it correct because he's been in metro the longest so we're trying to trying to make sure we keep the metro tradition going and make him proud yeah uh last thing chris then we're gonna get you out of here you know mcgavick east cane ridge pearl uh, pearl cone overton ha have been in anywhere from pretty solid to competing for a state title the last few years. But in, in recent, recently, the drop-off after that has been pretty big. Stratford, uh, last season, 2-9, and nine, Maplewood, 3-8, and eight, Antioch and Glencliff are are riding multi-seasons without wins. Uh, Hunters Lane and Hillsboro, both uh, well below 500 last season. Can, can Metro football be better consistently in terms of how deep, I guess uh, – you know, successful programs run in those schools? And what do you think the formula would look like as somebody who was part of a turnaround uh, to, to get some of these programs back on their feet, so to speak? Uh, I think so as far as the turnaround and whatnot, uh, getting Metro back to uh, the old, I guess like the old Metro. But I feel like every, I feel like every time it, everything comes in waves, it comes in cycles, um, especially school-wise. 
Um, you'll because when I was coming through, you have Hillsboroughs up for a certain amount of years, then they fell off a little bit. They teetered off a little bit. Maple was up for years, then they teetered off a little bit. White Creek was very good when I was in school, and they teetered off a little bit. So I just think it just comes in waves and in droves. Um, now, how we dismantle, well, I didn't say dismantle, how we uh, fight through that, I don't know. It's a question that we pose to our group chat every day, um, just trying to get everybody to their peak. But at the end of the day, it's, it's the kids, I mean, it's the players. Um, we have to, you have to keep your kids. If they're at your middle school, you have to keep them. Um, you cannot let them go um, to these other schools. Um, <laughs> at East, we we had we had a lot of kids that we don't we didn't have a zone, but it was we were optional. Well, East was an optional school, but a lot of kids those they would have went to um, their their um, they would have went to their zone school, but we was fortunate enough to get them. Um, so I think it's about keeping your keeping your zone school kids at home. Keep them. You gotta go out. Gotta go out and see them because it's all about relationships. Um, I can't say I can't say that um, they want to be recruited, but they want to be recruited. They see they see what all these colleges are doing. They see the NILs and then everything of that nature. You just got to go out and talk to them and go see them, go to their games. Um, but it also starts with a great administration and a coach that sees the vision. So once you couple all that together, I think you'll have a lot more success as far as these schools and whatnot. And actually keeping the coaching staff together is hard. Like I was talking to Jamal, like um, he was saying that at the end of the day, he knew my time was coming. We got two other great assistants, uh, Coach Southall and Coach Smith. Their time is coming eventually as well. So it's just when people see you have success, and it's hard to keep that staff together. So um, keeping your staff together, getting the kids, keep getting your kids in your zone for sure. That, that's a big important. The great administration, I think that will help. That will bring Metro back to um, where every school is competing, uh, and not not such a fall off. Um, I said we know that we know the top four, but can let's get let's get the others over the hump. Let's get everybody back over the hump. Chris, real quick before we go, uh, we're running short on time. But did you say that all the Metro coaches are on a group text together? Uh, some majority, I would say ninety okay. percent of them. Yes, <laughs> that's cool. That's really cool be fun to be a fly on the wall for that but uh chris hey thanks <laughs> thanks for taking the time today i know your phone's probably been blowing up over the last 24 hours so we appreciate you taking some time for us and congratulations once again and yeah, good luck as you get rolling over there at maplewood thank you i appreciate you guys and all the work that you do i look forward to talking to you guys again thanks chris. yes sir that has been new maplewood coach chris simpson uh good interview there tyler and we're going to take a quick break here and then come back and uh, put a bow on basketball season so stick around for that Drink. I'm good. I thought it was good. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was no big deal. Hey, I can hold my liquor. I thought I could hold my liquor. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. It was just a few cocktails at happy hour. <laughs> you really good try. There aren't any cops around. I didn't think there were any cops around. I drink and drive all the time. Sir. Sir, you've been in a serious crash. I need you to hang on, okay?
last two Saturdays have come and gone, and the Mid-State was shut out. State title-wise at the Division One and Division Division One Girls and Boys State Tournaments. Tyler, you were there for the duration for uh, most of those. I caught the last Hillsboro Boys game when they bowed out in the semifinals last Friday, but What'd you just make of? Uh, yeah, we talked about the girls' tournament last week, but so so this week. I mean, what'd you make of how the boys finished up and um, you know fell a little bit short there all, all across the board in the Nashville area? Yeah, well, with Independence uh, making it to the state finals, I know there's really no moral victories or anything, and you you want to win a title when you're so close. But we talked a little bit before the season and probably even last year about the you know hadn't been a whole lot of Wilco Williamson County teams. Um, really competing for that basketball state championship. And I think before the season, we were all kind of looking at independence, right? Like, well, this could be a team that certainly could make to the state tournament. Um, and of course, you know, Mark Wilkins has done such a great job there. And Jet Montgomery has been a, a great player for them to build around in terms of just a guy that's just a constant threat. And they were piling up wins, scoring a lot of points. And I, I just think it was interesting to see that uh, that program proved it was the real deal uh, after all those wins and, kind of people wondering, you know, what, what might this team look like at the state tournament? So that was cool to see. And I know they would have rather won a title, but uh, I thought that was a cool storyline. And, um, you know, Metro getting three teams in the state tournament was a, was a pretty, was a pretty cool thing to watch. And I thought MLK's storyline is, is so good, you know, with, uh, you know, Caden Anderson and, and his family history, his grandfather, uh, but also just the turnaround that the program's having um, and it playing so well, I was really impressed with, with that, that basketball team um, and the, not just the talent they have, that's going to be moving on. Like, uh, you know, Simeon Williams, uh, just a double, double guy, really good, but there's a lot of guys behind him. So that's a cool storyline to watch in the future. Of course, when you talk about Metro and, and you see that class two, a tournament play out, you wonder if East Nashville's there, are they hold another gold ball? Very good chance. Um, so, you know, you kind of think about that. It's You kind of feel for them. But then on the flip side, Pearl Cone did a great job eliminating East Nashville and, and making its own run and really had a chance to win that first quarterfinal game. Um, you wrote about this a little bit, Russell, on Hillsboro. I, you know, they didn't quite get to that level where they could win a state championship. But I, I kind of look back at uh, Hillsboro and think that, that, that they kind of overachieved a little bit. You know, it's not a super deep team. There's no mega stars there. Uh sometimes they made their share of mistakes and gave up leads, but they, but it was still a, a group that was hard to beat and just figured out ways to win. Um, so that's regardless, you know, definitely, you know, didn't win the title that they wanted, but uh, I, I thought that was a, a good basketball team considering, um, you know, that may not have been, uh, you know, the best that the Burroughs have had. Uh, I guess the biggest takeaway was just like you said, well, just a little bit disappointing. Maybe we were left wanting a little bit more, but um you know, that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. You know, East Tennessee's really had some good teams. And, of course, Memphis has always got some good groups down there. So uh, maybe just one of those years, you know, the, the, the power balance just was not in, in the mid-state. Yeah, and that's okay, you know, because, like, you know, there's always ebbs and flows of these things. And the Nashville area really dominated the private school championships too. So they, you know, can kind of hang their hat there um, as far as the finals go. But, Tyler, before we get out of here, let's reflect on – maybe some of the best games that we saw this season. Um, I can kick us off here to give your voice a rest there. But uh, actually I was thinking about this. I ended up at a lot of good basketball games actually. And for some reason, when I when at the end of football season, I looked back at all the football games I've been to. And I, I think at least 
80 or 90 percent of them were blowouts or at least games that turned into blowouts in the fourth quarter games that we thought were going to be good but a couple times quarterbacks got injured or it started raining or just i felt like every football game i went to something weird happened and, and the game was not as good as maybe it was billed or as we may have built it to be on this show and of course you never know with high school sports but i ended up at a lot of good basketball games saw a few buzzer beaters i think the best one was at brentwood on february 10th they were playing ravenwood of course battle of the woods big rivalry down 13 late in the third quarter you're thinking that ravenwood's pretty much got that game in in the bag and uh brentwood mounted a great comeback daniel cochran hit some big shots down the stretch in the fourth quarter and then uh sophomore kevin spivey who who had really taken on a, a bigger playing role uh when one of their other players was out for an extended period of time with an injury uh finds a little hole on a on a uh, inbound pass makes a buzzer beating layup and the whole place just goes nuts students storm the court i mean it was a lot of fun and it was a real surprise too because like i said at the, at the end of the third quarter it little you know looked like it was ravenwood's game there so um i also tip my hat to the i know you're going to talk about east in a second here but the east national hillsborough game that was probably the best maybe overall environment that i experienced this year that gym was packed full uh they had stopped letting people in nearly an hour before the game started just because you know, they'd already reached whatever number it was that the fire marshal allows in that in that pretty tight gym they've got over there at East Nashville. But East won that game 40, 51 to 44. Um, but man, it was back and forth the whole time. The atmosphere was awesome. People were just hanging on every basket and every foul call, which is just something you don't see at a regular season high school basketball game very often. So that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, this kind of shows you the interest in big Metro basketball when it's around in the city, because we've seen it for the last couple of years. Uh, certainly East Nashville and Pearl draws a huge crowd. And uh, this was not my best game I saw. I didn't you know, I didn't see you saw all these buzzer beaters. I don't think I, I don't think I saw one. I'd have to really mm-hmm. go back and look, but I, I do not remember seeing that. But um, you had some better football games, so I guess it all worked out. Yeah. And you want that tension. That's really what you want, that that tension. You know, that's what makes a great baseball game, obviously, uh, but really every sport, you know, football, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, East Pearl, that first one of uh, after the break was not the best game I saw. It was still close, but that atmosphere, like you said, it was just phenomenal. You know, that Pearl gym uh, has a pretty big, I guess it's the visitor side is what they use it as, but it was, I mean, it's filled with everybody. Um, but I thought the best game I saw was Innsworth Knoxville Catholic and the D2A girls championship. Uh, for one, it was a lot closer than the five, point margin that it finished as which is still pretty close but it it had that tension and when you talk about uh jelani cambridge scoring 41 points she's the number one player in the country in her class uh top i mean just the top player in the state the gatorade player of the year the miss basketball uh, her scoring a career high 41 was not just not only fun to watch but on the other side sydney mains for knox catholic a, a miss basketball finalist in her own right going for 33 they were going back and forth in one of those classic uh, games where you just see the two stars just kind of putting uh, their teams on their back. And I, I just can't think of a matchup like that that we saw in the postseason that had that kind of star power going back and forth with the exception of Isaiah West and Eddie Ricks kind of doing the same in that D2 uh, single-A boys semifinal. Uh, so that that was a lot of fun for me. I just think it's fun when the top players shine. And, you know, of course, you'd love to just see a great game with both teams just just playing a great game. But it's it's a lot of fun just seeing kind of a heavyweight uh, matchup like that with two players that are obviously, uh, you know, really good. And then we saw we saw Jelani Cambridge's game uh, game for the ages. I mean, that was a career high for her. So I, I really enjoyed that one. 
And hey, she's still a junior, so a whole nother year of Jelani Cambridge to look That's forward right. to over there at Innsworth. But mm. uh, quickly on the way out here, Tyler, uh, I know this is this is always probably a loaded question, but w- with everything that we kind of covered this year, I mean, who was the top player overall that stood out to you if you if you had to name one? Yeah, and I didn't even see him, but because uh, he's out in uh, Tommy Bryan's uh, territory, but I got to go with Jared Hall. Uh, from Lebanon when you see his numbers I mean 28 points and almost 10 rebounds a game that is that is serious business uh it's really hard to do especially you know he's he's not doing it against you know 1a or 2a competition um he's in he's in that big public school class and in 4a uh Tulsa commitment at who at 6 7 190 checks every box just gotta think he's got a bright future can can shoot it and kind of do everything so I'm gonna go with Jared Hall even though I didn't watch him Probably should have. Yeah, yeah, probably should have. But um, I'll go Jalen Jones from East Nashville, uh, senior. It's a shame we didn't get to see them in the state tournament. You you mentioned that. Uh, but, you know, he took a, such a big step forward this year without J- Jared Taylor. He was their featured guy. Uh, scored about 24 points, eight rebounds, almost five steals per game. And really with the way that he's able to drive, get to the basket, dunk the ball, from three-point land, all he's got to do is kind of keep teams honest. If he's shot in the high 20s or low 30s, he'd be good. But uh, he finished up at 36%, you know, and when you're, when you're pushing towards 40% from three, I mean, that's that's an elite number. So if, if he can get that up even higher, he's going to be just an absolute menace in college. And um, I think TSU got a great steal here. It's going to be fun to watch him kind of stick around town uh, for the next, hopefully, four years and, and see how he does. But, yeah, is he if he can – keep evolving his game like he did from his junior to his senior year i think tsu fans are going to be thrilled yeah that is a steal for sure i i love everything about Jalen jones so that is all the time we've got for today thanks everybody for tuning in want to remind everybody on the way out this podcast is sponsored by the tennessee highway safety office fans don't let fans drive drunk be sure to stay tuned to mainstreetpreps.com throughout the week and we'll see you back here next time on main street preps this week 